Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. My name is Allie, and I'm one of the ministers here, and we are just so glad that you've joined us for a time of worship today. If you're new to Calvary, we want you to know that you're welcome in this place, and we'd love to have the chance to follow up with you and continue getting to know you. The best way for that to happen is if you fill out the visitor card that's in the front of, or behind, in front of the pew behind you, in the back of the pew in front of you. <laughs> if you just place that in the offering plate later in the service, um, we would love to just contact you this week and get to know you more and be with you in prayer. Before we begin, I would like to remind you that today is the last day to donate money for a poinsettia. And um, that's one of these beautiful poinsettias up here. And there is an envelope in the pew in front of you. Um, it's green or red, and a poinsettia is $10. You can do it in honor or in memory of someone, and that would just be a great way to um, help us kind of celebrate this Advent season together. So this morning, we begin a journey. We embark together on a journey of Advent. Today and the next four weeks, we'll, we will introduce several biblical journeys in preparation for Christ's coming. And we're all in different stages of our own personal journeys, and we'll see those differences present as well in the biblical story as we retell and learn about the journeys that Mary, Joseph, shepherds, and the wise men all took to arrive at their destination. My prayer for us during these next few weeks is that this time may be one in which we all learn what it means to walk and follow in a way that leads toward God. And somehow, amidst the messiness, the detours, the heartbreak, and all of the wrong turns, we may wind up worshiping our King Jesus. Hear these words as a call to worship. Let us each journey with God to Bethlehem's stable and a newborn king. Let our ears attune to the song of angels. May our eyes be alert for Bethlehem's star. May God forgive us if on our journey we are distracted by the tempting offers of this world. Above all, let us keep our hearts aflame with the hope of Christmas and the promise of a Savior. Amen. journey together toward Christmas. We who have so much to do seek quiet spaces to hear your voice each day. 
We who are anxious over so many things look forward to your coming among us and with us. We who are blessed in so many ways long for the complete joy of your kingdom. We whose hearts are heavy and weary seek the joy of your presence. We are your people walking in the darkness yet seeking and longing for the light. And so to you we say today, come Lord Jesus, come Lord, come. Amen. Our scripture is filled with stories about people who have followed God down many different roads, although their journeys have rarely taken them in the directions they had expected. Abraham and his family follow the road to the land God says he will show them, even though they have no idea where they are going. In Genesis 12, 1 through 5, the Lord says to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, 
and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. But little did they know that their journey to Canaan would be filled with so many unexpected stops, twists, and turns along the way. I imagine that many of us have found ourselves traveling in a space similar to Abraham and his family at some point in our lives. A space where doubt creeps in and it makes us wonder if we heard God correctly. Maybe we misunderstood. A space where we begin to ask if God's promise is all that it's cracked up to be or if God will ever follow through. A space where we wonder if we'll ever get to where we thought we'd be going. Yet God continues to speak the same promise to Abram. Amidst discouragement, doubt, confusion, and frustration, the Lord says to him, Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. And Abram builds altars of hope at each stop on his journey, continuing to trust the God who provides for him day by day. Today we light the candle of hope to guide us on our Advent journey. Let us pray. God of hope, Fill us up with your joy. Fill us up with your peace so that through our believing lives, we might be filled with the life-giving energy of the Spirit, brimming over with hope. Amen. Make way, make way for the King of kings. Make way, make way, that let his kingdom in. A reading from the book of Psalms. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together. To it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For there the thrones for judgment were set up, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship so good to see all of you this morning. Today is the first day of Advent. Advent is a time of getting ready. It is a time of waiting for the most amazing event. During Advent, we remember some of the special, special people who listen to God and who help God's promise to come true. So let's listen to a story of two people today who got ready for Jesus. This story is straight from the Bible in the book of Luke in chapter 1. An angel had recently told Mary that she was going to become the mother of Jesus. She was amazed and very happy. She set off to a town in Judea to tell her cousin Elizabeth. Mary thought Elizabeth would be surprised by her news. When Mary arrived and came close to Elizabeth and greeted her, something wonderful happened. Elizabeth was pregnant with a baby, and when she heard Mary's voice, she felt her baby jump inside of her. God's Holy Spirit told Elizabeth that Mary was going to have a baby who would be God's own son. 
And Elizabeth was full of joy and said to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is your baby. Then Mary began to sing a song of great joy, giving praise and thanks to God. God had remembered her, and she was glad. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for a long visit until she returned home. So Mary and Elizabeth are two of these special people who had listened to God and who helped God's promise to come true. They were getting ready for Jesus just like we are in this Advent season, waiting for the birth of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord Jesus, help us to get ready for Jesus to be born. May we be people who help God's promise to come true. Thank you for always remembering us and always loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. No more crying there. We are going to see the King. No more crying there. We are going to see the King. No more crying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the King. Hallelujah, going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we lift our hearts to you in this moment, knowing always that we need to hear. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Speak into our lives that are full of all sorts of things. Speak into our lives that are burdened down because of things that we carry in this moment. Speak into hearts and minds that long to know. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Through Christ we pray. Amen. The Christian story and our experience with it begin with the light fading. It's just that time of the year, isn't it? Particularly in this part of the world, the days grow shorter and the nights grow longer. So there's less light as Advent takes us into the new church year. And I think that's brilliant. I, I just think it's amazing that our journey starts there in that way with less light and more darkness so that we have the opportunity to experience the truth of this season as we experience creation and it's an earthy kind of thing. It's bodily. It's not just in our heads. The truth of Advent starts somewhere else 
that we encounter in a very deep place. There's more darkness, and because of that, there's a mood made manifest. So there is in this season a kind of spirituality that I want to explore in these Sunday mornings we get to spend together. Really, each season of the church year has a gift to give. And Advent's gift, in a way, is at first the gift of darkness before it's the gift of light. It's darkness. This darkness that kind of slows us down a bit. And it's, it's darkness that brings into focus a particular story. You know how it is in a theater when they turn the house lights down. You pay attention. It's darkness, I think, too, maybe most importantly, that gets us in touch with our need for and our longing for the light. In Advent darkness, we kind of lean forward. There's more to come, and we're leaning forward. There's something on the way, and we're leaning forward. So Advent really is about longing, and we're those who long, but often, I think, are out of touch with our longing. The stuff in our lives has a way of dulling us to it and to this ache that really is very important to us spiritually. Longing and, and the ache that we feel is, is a gift. Our anguish is a source of grace. And that was the wisdom of all the saints throughout the ages. Spiritual teachers would often say, that's really where we start with that really deep longing feeling it and being with it and acknowledging it and often we're not there we're unaware something in us would just rather not be there so we're often aren't we on autopilot going through life not all that aware of the things and the urges of the soul advent comes though and we get slow down maybe we can we can see it then. Maybe we'll get still enough to perceive it. That's Advent spirituality. It's a season where we get to know our own longings. Maybe get quiet enough for that to happen and honest enough for you to hear your own soul speaking. Gregory the Great, who was this early church theologian, said the language of souls is their desire. Your, your soul has something to say to you has something to say to you about who you really are and who God really is and maybe what it is God is up to in your life and what God means for you to be. I think most of us are not in touch with that. Not, not in touch with the soul's longings on most days. We're noisy and we're busy and we're on autopilot and we're staying preoccupied and and worried and so attached to so very much that helps us avoid. And it is kind of this mindless avoidance, isn't it? It is for me anyway. I mean, can you just picture the remote in your hand doing whatever and the cell phone in your hand and your mechanical mind just doing what it does, but Advent comes along. Church throughout the ages has invited us into this reflective darkness. Calvary invites us there this year where we're still for a while and we get in touch with what we need. Do you ever get there? Really in touch with your need? Some quiet ache in your life? So can you slow down in these days? Let the darkness sort of cloister you a little bit? Maybe you have to be intentional and set some other things aside. Netflix, for instance, that's, what, that's going to be Julie and I's spiritual practice, to turn off Netflix. Maybe there's some attachment for you. Maybe it's the need to be all things to all people and do way too much, even in this season. Or maybe some hurtful habit you've got to let go of. Can you pay attention to the ache that you may have for the things of God Maybe echo the psalmist who says, my soul is thirsting for the living God. Thirsting. Yours is, mine is, we're parched, but do we know it? If we can, slow down and stop and unhook. Maybe we'll make a journey to the center from the edges in these days. We're on the edges a lot. Maybe we get to go to the center, which I think is what Isaiah was imagining here. 
The text we heard read is dreamlike. It's from the imaginal realm, some call it. Not imaginary, but imaginal, meaning this is visionary truth that's somehow unveiled in the midst of our human reality, and Isaiah's preaching is full of human reality. Maybe you hadn't read Isaiah straight through in a while, but most every message, particularly in the early chapters, except for this one we read, is full of indictments and condemnations and threats of punishment. And the community of faith compiles all this chapter upon chapter of fire and brimstone pronouncements. Zion and Isaiah's preaching is full of desolation and destruction, and it is nearly on every page. Eventually, I think Isaiah is probably martyred because everybody just got tired of this doom and gloom preacher. But there's this hopeful dreamlike vision in chapter 2. Isaiah prophesies along the way hopeful things. And in chapter 2, it's Zion's mountain that's going to be the highest in that day. It's not the highest right by the way and never was. But in visions, things like this can happen. It's the mystical language for seeing beyond. And in this seeing, Zion is like Everest. Everyone from everywhere can see it, and the nations are streaming to it, kind of like the carloads are going to be doing on I-35 tonight, right? Everyone from everywhere is headed to the temple so they can be taught by Yahweh and walk in His ways. Every nation on the same divine common core curriculum. It's a flow to that core. And it's not just the pe- that the people are flowing in, but God's law, life's meaning, is flowing out back and forth. This flow is, and the people are in the flow. And so things are changing in Isaiah's prophecy. Enemies, they're being reconciled. And in that prophecy, uh, implementations of destruction, they're being transformed. What has taken so much life, all the swords and spears, They're being refashioned, hammered, beaten into plows and pruning hooks so that something life-giving can be cultivated. In the dream, no one's studying for war. The war college is closed permanently. It's over. That's the vision of Isaiah, and it's the vision the church invites us here. On the very first Sunday of Advent to read, we, we sort of begin with the end in mind in Advent. And we hear it and something in us vibrates, you know, it, here it vibrates even though in our minds we're thinking things like, well, that's never going to happen. They won't. We won't ever stop studying war. It hadn't happened. It's not going to happen. But the truth be known to name from my heart and yours, it's our deepest desire. So pay attention to your desire in these days. During the season of Advent, we know and name what is our truest longing, our, our truest desires. That's the spirituality of this season. In, in darker, colder, contemplative days, we slow down and we're still with our true wish list, the wish list of our lives. And, and, and maybe with our own pain. Maybe, maybe it's the pain that's in us that has created the list in us. And we see it. And we sit with it. And we don't change the channel. We, we just are there. It's the spiritual practice of being there with the ache that we have. And the ache and our pain is certainly about the headlines and absurdities in our world. But I... I need you to hear me say this. What's about the world is about us too. There's this fallen connectivity. So everything that's about the world is about me and about you and everything about you and me is about the world. Everything is about everybody. God's world, what happens there, will always be happening in the hearts of God's children for better or for worse. So in a way, it really is all about you. Our souls are trying to speak that word to us during Advent, and the language they speak is longing. It's longanese. This is what our souls speak and what we can hear in these days. And if we do, 
then maybe we're among those who make that journey towards Zion, towards God. We'll, we'll journey to what is central because we know we're made to be there at the center. We, we, we ascend there to the place where we can perceive things and we, can, we move up and we can see things more clearly and we enter into, deeply into the temple where God's presence is real and what happens there, remember what Isaiah says, what happens there is that we're taught and he pictures there great reconciliation and the end of the war college. And if it's to happen in the world, shouldn't we all agree this morning that it's got to happen inside of us first? As our hearts go, so goes the world. So when we make the journey to Zion, to the center, we receive God's ways in order to walk in God's paths. We receive something. We're in this state, in a different place where we find ourselves holding a wisdom and you've had moments like that at the center we all have where somehow by God's grace and by our own yes your own yes you were in a different place and in that different place you knew some things and you saw some things that enabled you to walk in God's ways maybe for just a little while before life's centrifuge flung you back out to the edge what was it like when you were there? What's it like when you're near to the center? Was there a different kind of energy? I bet there was. D did the smallest of you sort of melt away? Smallness melts away and you're able to see the goodness of who you are, the image of God in you and in everybody else? Did forgiveness and compassion just become default for a little bit? Did you realize how very connected you are to pretty much everything? When we're taught from the center, we step into the realm of God. The kingdom of heaven is what Jesus called it. And, and though it's a long journey, a lifelong journey, he, he, he kept saying things like, it's at hand. I mean, you're not far from it. In fact, it's within you, this different level of being is what Zion is. Augustine tried to wrap his head around it once and said, we're returning to what we're not being. So let us enter that city whose inhabitants share in being itself. You want to? It's what you're made for. It's what you're longing for. We all do. And at the center, we begin not just to perceive some things, but we begin to participate in it. So that what has been at war in us is sort of worked through. That's what Isaiah is dreaming about, that in this state at the center, we, we don't continue in this kind of stalemate, bogged down in the same old inner battles that you're just so tired of. I am. There's a way beyond that. And you don't have to keep beating yourself up or putting yourself down or endlessly patting yourself on the back or pretending you're something you're not. Your divided heart, as the psalmist calls it, can be united. Unite my heart, O oh God, is the prayer. And it's answered when we find ourselves in the center. You're participating in the being of God. You're made to do that. You begin taking part in what is transforming. There's, there's some work apparently involved in this. We've got to hammer swords into something else. And at the center, in the place of imminent grace and meeting, we just don't hold swords anymore. It's like, what would I do with this? I just, we're not at odds. So our fists aren't clenched around that or anything else we think is ours. And they're not braced like this in defense. So we've, we've sort of transcended that small place, that reptilian brain where our only options are fighting or, or running away in flight. We've, we've stopped preparing for battle. And the peacemaker instincts that are in all God's children, they start emerging and operating within us and in the world. And, and these swordless hands of ours become hands of blessing and healing all over the place. This is what can happen when anyone makes a journey to the center, only a few seem to make the trip. So it really is a road less traveled. And, and Jesus said as much, the way is narrow that leads to life. Few are those who find it, which explains why Isaiah's dream tends to remain 
a dream. Transforming swords into plows is always going to be sort of a niche trade. And I know we want it to be other, otherwise, but maybe you're like me. You keep believing that the world can take this giant mother may I step forward. How many of you played mother may I growing up? Okay, baby boomers, you were lucky and you got to play this great game. Here's how it worked. You remember someone would stand at the end of the driveway and say to half the neighborhood, uh, something like, uh, Bert, uh, take one small step forward. And you'd have to say, mother may I. And the leader would say, yes, you may. And you'd take that little small step forward. It was a very exciting game. And, uh, and, and then the, occasionally, especially though, when the leader would say, everyone, take a giant step forward. And you'd all ask politely in unison, mother, may I? And the leader would say, yes, you may. And the whole neighborhood full of baby boomers would step forward. I keep thinking that's the way the game is played in the world. You know that human beings are going to join hands and step into goodness together, but it seems that humanity can't do that. We can't take a giant mother-may-I step in together. It's just not the way it is, and our aches during Advent remind us of that every day. I saw a bumper sticker a few years ago that read, Evolve! Darn it, only it wasn't darn it. It's Evolve! It doesn't work that way. It's one soul at a time. And it's one free will and one yes at a time and one dream at a time and a longing heart at a time and one journey at a time, mostly with little mother may I steps. I was visiting with a friend a few weeks back and given all the darkness we're seeing in our world and our nation and sometimes at our university nearby, I was just lamenting with him. And so he emailed me that afternoon this quote from Tolkien. Actually, I'm a Christian, Tolkien wrote of himself, and indeed a Roman Catholic, so that I do not expect history to be anything but a long defeat, though it contains some samples or glimpses of final victory. You know, I, I know, because I've read to the end of the Bible, I know we're anticipating a new heaven and a new earth, and the end really is always in mind as we begin every Advent journey. But the end is never just an end there in time, is it? It's the end, the purpose of who you are. So I'm not all that cynical about this old heaven and this old earth, and I believe it contains way more than some samples and some glimpses. It contains millions upon billions of holy moments and holy places and spaces and holy people with holy hearts who are participating in God's kingdom and who have sensed the wonder and riddle. Listen to this language from the church fathers. The wonder and riddle in the order and beauty of the world. And that's something else that can happen during Advent if you get still enough to. You sense the wonder of it and get to say, wow, with all creation. I think that's why in the midst of all the doom and gloom Isaiah was up to, he, he says to the people after he shares the vision, he says, so come. Let's us walk in the light of the Lord. Having made the journey to the center, let's walk in the light of the Lord there's, there's candles burning in our Advent darkness, and, and it's light, and in that light we can see and be seen, and just hear this, in these days and in these times, we need to see and we need to be seen. If we walk in God's light, we can see all the places in our world where sword making is still a booming business. We walk in God's light, we can see the wonder and riddle of it, all the beauty and goodness and all the loving things that are happening around us all the time too. And if we walk in God's light, we become a glimpse for someone of God's reign and a sampling of God's salvation. Might that be your longing? Advent has a gift to give you, so slow down in these days, slow down. Feel it, listen to it, sit with it, let the anguish and the grace and the dream of it send you on a journey to 
and then from the center. Oh God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for us as your community of faith and your church that we might be willing to set aside things that would distract us from being on a journey with you. Would you forgive us here for all the ways in which we cling to things that don't matter all that much? God, help us to repent, to shift, to transform our minds where we start seeing something new and we head in a different direction. We need your grace even to make the decision. And we certainly need your grace to make the journey. Through Christ, we pray and we live and move and have our being. Amen. As our friends lead us in our hymn of response, our, our staff will be at the back. Maybe that this is a day for you to pray with somebody or to make a commitment to be a part of this family of faith, to be on the journey with Jesus. They'll be at the back to greet you and pray with you. Let's stand together and sing. Father, in recent days we've sat around the table of harvest, the table of plenty, sharing the warmth of our homes with family and friends, and we've been comfortable, and it's been wonderful. But today you call us away from the table to a journey that is different from that to a journey that takes courage because we are in darkness and we're moving toward light. It's a journey that is different because instead of concentrating on what we have that you've given to us for the moment, you're calling us to look at things that are available to us that are eternal. And so as we move forward during this season of Advent, toward Christmas, we pray that we can experience hope, peace, love, 
but part of our experience must be sharing those things with the people in need around us. And so we come to this part of the service where we give back to you. A part of what you have given to us to carry on the day-to-day -day experiences here so that we may spread the kingdom of God so that these wonderful experiences can also be had for eternity. So as your son was given to us as a special gift with great sacrifice, let our hearts turn to sacrifices that we may give with our money, with our nickels, with our dimes, with our dollars, as well as with our hearts. Bless this time. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Some services that will be coming up the next few weeks. And, and the last thing I wanted to say was that it's really great to see Dennis Tucker back and Eric Holliman back. They have both been doing interims at other churches. Dennis has been in Hearn, and Eric has been in Baton Rouge. And so we are just so grateful that you all are back with us in worship. I hope you'll join us for lunch and look forward to seeing you all next week. Advent is a time for contemplating the work of God in the world. And so as we go, let, let's do as Mary did, as she saw what God was up to. Let's treasure those things and ponder what is priceless in our heart. May the Lord find you waiting this week. Go in peace.